0: Amen. Well, good morning, church. Ladies out there, happy Mother's Day. The impact you all have. It boils down to this. None of us are here without moms. I just, yeah, sit on that. It'll come around to you maybe in an hour. You'll understand that. But I realize, it's, as the pastors have said, it can be touchy. Pastor Brandon had mentioned this, and I think he would Allow me to share. He, this is sometimes tough for him because he, he lost his mom. And uh, this day is, can be touchy for many. Many of us may not have a good relationship with our mom. Many of us may not even know who our mom is. Um, but that's what I love about the body of Christ. That, ladies, you can rise up and be a godly mother to everyone that's in this room here. It's one of the reasons why we must live in community. Gotta live in community with, with each other. Uh, ladies, I wanna encourage you before we jump into part two of our, our title, All of Us, or our teaching series, All of Us, get to Camp Lutherwald. I'll say it normally Camp Lutherwald, no German accent. Um, I would highly encourage get there. And if you can't do the overnight, what's cool about the overnight thing is it's, it builds community. That's one of the coolest things about that overnight experience. But uh, at least get there on the Saturday. Like, we are paying for a speaker, an author, to come and invest in your life. So we're doing this for you. Uh, we are paying to bring her in from, where is she at, babe? Chicago, right? She's from Chicago. And she's giving us, I'll just be honest, she's giving us a discount for her price that she normally charges. Okay? Why? Part of that is because she's awesome. The second part is this. She believes in what we're doing here. Okay? So I say, ladies, do everything you can get to at least get there on that Saturday. So turn to you, if you have a husband, turn to your husband and say, I'm going no matter what. (laughs) I'm kidding. Let's jump in. Don't do that. We're going to fight. Okay. We got a message to go through and everything like that. All right. So last week, uh, we kind of kicked off this series, all of us, looking at this idea that the mission of our church here at Radiant Life, and it was this, and we brought out this banner, it's this, that here at Radiant Life, we want to be living out our God-given purpose every day by being transformed by Jesus, reaching the lost, and making disciples who make disciples, And that is our mission here at Radiant Life. This is something that we are devoting our time and energy into in helping the church become the church. This is what we believe here at Radiant Life that will separate us from 12,000 other churches in our area. We believe this is the specific mission that God has Radiant Life on. And we truly believe for us that this will have great impact in your home and in your workplace, and in your community. That if we're able to live into this mission, we will change lives for the kingdom. And your life will radically be different. And so for the next two weeks after this week, we're going to unpack these. Uh, Today, we're going to focus on our God-given purpose Next week, we're going to be focused on how we're being just transformed by Jesus. And then we'll wrap up by kind of comboing the last of reaching the lost and making disciples who make disciples. This, if you will, you could say, this is the heartbeat of Radiant Life. So if you have your Bible, if you have a phone or a tablet, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 1 and go through verse 10. And as you turn there and get ready... I want to let you know a little bit about the church in Ephesus. This is where we get the name Ephesians from. There's a church in Ephesus. Ephesus is a port city in present-day Turkey. It was known in the ancient world as Asia Minor. It was the combination of Las Vegas wild living and the high rise of Manhattan business. It was the combination of Las Vegas and Manhattan combined. It was the fourth largest city in the ancient world. There were pagan temples all over Ephesus. It had one of the world's largest amphitheaters outside. It was awesome. Today, if you were to visit Ephesus, you could go there. You would see a lot of ruins, but you would still see the amphitheater there today. One of the interesting things about The pagan religions that were happening in Ephesus was they worshiped a fertility goddess. And they had women that were priestess and they had um, prostitution in the temple. And now Paul, who hated Jesus, wanted to stomp out the Jesus movement had a radical encounter with this Jesus, and became a Christ follower, now wanted to go to Ephesus so bad, because he realizes the evil culture that's there, and he's like, I want to bring Jesus to this. I want to bring light where there's darkness. And he finally goes there, and he's writing to these Christians that are probably, some of them, coming out of that pagan religion of prostitution, and this goddess of fertility. And he writes in Ephesians chapter 2 of who they once were. It begins this way. And you were what, friends? One more time. You were what? I love what Paul immediately says. You were. Hang in there. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit, now working in the disobedient. Verse 3. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature... Children under wrath as the others were also. I love how Paul immediately starts chapter 2. He's reminding the Christians in Ephesus, listen, you have an old self. Remember how he starts. You were. You were. Here's some of the clues that we have in the first three verses of who those Christians once were. Number one, they were dead. They were dead spiritually because of sin in their lives. Number two, they were enslaved. They were caught up in the things in the way of the world at the time. And again, what does Paul say? You were. You were this. Here's another thing about the old life. They were objects of wrath. He says you were children of the wrath of God because you were in relationship with God. Fourthly, uh, they, were, they walked among the disobedient, it says in verse 2 and 3. That they, they were disobedient. They were once the disobedient with all the other people in Ephesus. And number four, they were under Satan's dominion. They were under the power of the air. They weren't walking with the spirit yet. They were under the dominion of Satan in his army. Why? Because they weren't Christ followers yet you can look at that list and you look in you and I and realize that is what a Christless life looks like. Without Jesus Christ, we're spiritually dead. We're enslaved to the things of this world. We are under the wrath of God. We are walking among the disobedient because we are disobedient. And without Christ, you are under Satan's dominion. But thank heavens, there's a guy named by the name of Jesus Christ that came to set us free. He says, This is what you once were. And then look at the next two words in verse four. It reads this way But God. Aren't you thankful for a but God? I'm thankful for a but God moment. I know that sounds weird, but hang in there. Right? But God. Hey, I once was, but God. I once had a horrible relationship, but God redeemed it all. I once was walking in slave, but God set me free in Jesus' name. Come on. And he's reminding the people in Ephesus, listen, you once were all this, but God, but God. Now the rest of verse four, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. Stop there. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are loved by God. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you are definitely loved by God. (laughs) I think for us, if you're a Christian here this morning, you got to know that your identity starts because God loved. But God, who's rich in mercy, and I'm thankful because you know how many times you and I just stumble. We stumble over our own sin here and there, and I'm thankful that we serve a God who's rich in mercy who picks us up over and over again, says, come on, child. Come on, child. But God, because of his great love he had for us, oh, he made us what, friends? Come on. But God, I once was enslaved. I once was dead. But God made me alive. With who? With Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. It is not your works. You don't deserve this salvation, but it is a gift from your heavenly father. Why? All because he first loved. And then he goes on. So that, so that, am I right? Nope, nope, I jumped ahead. I'm sorry. He also raised us up with him. Check this out, check this out. This is important theology here. Check this out. He raised us up with him, Jesus, and Seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. In the spiritual realm, where do you and I sit? In the spot with Jesus. Where, does, where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. That is your and I's spiritual heavenly position right now. Did you know that? This is why when God looks at you, he sees his son Christ Jesus. Because you are seated in his seat with him. Isn't that awesome? Don't we serve a good God? He doesn't leave us enslaved and dead. He brings us into victory and seated you in the heavenly. This is why the power and authority of Jesus lies with his believers. You have it. Oh man, I'm getting, it's, I'm getting hot. I'm getting hot. Verse 7. So that. In the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So check out this comparison. The first 3 verses are all about your old life with what life looks like without Jesus. The next 3 verses shows what your new life is with Jesus. So here's a reiteration of our old life that is Christless, that does not have Jesus. But look at the comparison that he says in those 3 verses. Yes, we were dead, but our new life, we are now alive. We are now alive. We were spiritually dead. Now we're spiritually alive in Christ Jesus. We were enslaved. Now we're in, we are enthroned. We now seated. We're seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. We once were objects of wrath and now we're objects of his grace. Oh, I'm thankful for that. Not only were we walked among the obedient, now we are in union with Jesus. And we once were under Satan's dominion, but now we're seated with Jesus Christ. We are under his rule and his reign now. And here's what's so important about those first verses that we just read. Because what's going to follow, Paul's going to tell them that they have a purpose. So why go through an identity piece before you just get to the purpose? Because of this right here. It's difficult to know our purpose when we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. See, the problem is so many Christians today don't know their purpose because, listen, you still got the smears of yesterday on your lenses. You're still looking at life through who you once were. So no wonder why you can't see God's purpose for you and his plan and his calling in your life. you are still got your head turned around looking at your shame and guilt you're carrying from that Jesus Christ died for to set you free from. You'll never know our purpose if we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. It begins with our identity. No wonder why. No wonder why the enemy of our soul wants to remind us of all of our sin. Hey, I want you to stay here, get stagnant, so you don't go and fulfill why God ever created you in the first place. Today, I want to take that back in the name of Jesus. I want to take it back for your life. So he sets them up to know who they are in Jesus, and then he says, oh, the rest of Ephesians on chapter 2, it's beautiful. Verse 8, let's read it together. For you were saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, It is God's gift, not from work so that no one can boast. For we are His what, friends? We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. How awesome is that? Did you know before time, God already had works for you to do? You are His workmanship. I love this fact that God does not create generic art. You are God's one of a kind, unique design. You are. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're unique. (laughs) I love that fact that you are his special workmanship. Here's what I, the, the key word is workmanship in this verse. Here's what workmanship means. It literally in the Greek is poeum. Let me hear you say poeum. What that means is you and I get the word poem. You and I are God's beautiful art. You and I have something particularly tailored for you and I to do that only you can fulfill. I cannot fulfill your purpose in life. Your neighbor can't. Your spouse, your family can't. Only you can fulfill that purpose. Why? Because you are a unique creation that God has a plan for you. So here's, I want to give you an insight on our purpose, on all of our purposes. It's this, that God has prearranged plans for your life. He has a plan and a purpose to you and I to fulfill that only you can carry out. And I've said this several times before. I think what's crept into the Christian church in America is this idea of fire insurance. The idea of fire insurance is just, I get saved and I'm good and I can coast in life until I die. At least I get out of hell. But here, please lean in. And I've said this before. You're not just saved from something, but saved for something. God has plans for you. Salvation is not the end game. It is the beginning of you getting into the game. And we are not just saved, we are saved from our sin, but we are saved for a purpose and a calling that God has for each and every one of us. Why? Because you are God's workmanship. You are God's one-of-a-kind art piece, and he's got pre-arranged plans for you to fulfill. And the hard thing is, is according to the most recent study, 87% of Christians don't know their purpose in life. 87 percent we purposely put out living out our god-given purpose because we at radiant life will go after that number very hard and we want to see that number decrease because can you imagine if more and more christians begin to live into their god-given purpose in life i think we will radically see the kingdom of god come And it will change our community. It will change how you deal in business and change how you teach and engage with kids. It will change everything. But here's the reality, friends. There are two realities we all battle when it comes to our purpose. And the first is this. We battle to become what others expect us to be. We carry that expectation of what a parent or a teacher said to us or how we want to appease a certain people group in our life or whatever so there becomes an expectation that we carry to become what others expect us to become and we've all probably been there before you know what's really hard what group is really hard on this and you know who you are if you're a people pleaser this is hard This is a battle because we want to appease and please them so we'll become what they expect us to become. And the other battle, the reality that we face when it comes to purpose is this, to become the person that we expect ourselves to be. I can speak into this a little bit more because I'm very hard on myself and my own journey is I, I thank heaven. I'm thankful for grace and mercy, and I'm working through this. But growing up, man, I was trying to be that perfect thing, and perfection creeped into my life. And then when I fail, when I mess up, why I beat myself up because I expect myself to be better and be more perfect than that. And the Lord has had to work some things to remind myself that, Ryan, the ultimate goal is to become what God has created you to become. That is the core of it. Not what others expect you to be. Not what you expect yourself to be. But surrender to my will, my design, my plans for you and become who I called you to be, Ryan. And sometimes that means I'm not going to appease this group. Because that's not what God called me. And Ryan, I'm not always perfect. But keep focusing on Jesus and his plan for your life. So I want to give us a quick summary. We did this about a year ago, but I want to bring back a few different things. Is We all have two purposes. We all have a, what I, I want to term, our term here at Radiant Life, we call it a primary purpose. A primary purpose, how do we live out our God-given purpose every day? This is a primary purpose that every believer, every disciple of Jesus Christ has. And it's this, to glorify God and make disciples who make what, friends? To glorify God, first and foremost. Your life is to glorify God. That is your primary purpose, and to make disciples who make disciples. First Corinthians reads this way. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do what? One more time. Do everything for the glory of God. Your entire life, what you do this morning to what you do on a Friday night should bring glory to who? To God. Everything we do. Our primary purpose in life as Christians is to bring glory to God and make disciples who make disciples. We know the next part of that, the make disciples, make disciples. We've been hitting this a lot here at Radiant Life, is Matthew, the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make what? Turn to your neighbor and say, go make a disciple. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. How is he with us always if he's in heaven? It's the Spirit. Remember, it's three and one. It's to make disciples, to glorify God and make disciples. To glorify God and make disciples. I love that. And here's what happens in the, in, the, in the faith. We do a really good job probably glorifying God on the Sunday morning. But can I ask, what are we doing the other six and a half days of the week? With our attitude, with the words we say, with what we post on Facebook, with the way that we handle ourselves at restaurants, the way that we love on our neighbors, is it bringing glory to God? Ask yourself that. And the second part is hard because this is what we do. We, some of us, love discipleship. It's the term that we use to uh, that our, our, that we look more and more like Jesus. That we fall in more in love with Jesus, but we begin to become more living into the way of life of Jesus. Here's the problem: we are called to replicate. We can't just make disciples and be like, "Oh, cool, that project's done. He's a disciple now." That's not it. It's to sit there and go, now your calling is to go make a disciple. And then their calling is to go make a disciple. And it's reproducible. God is in the business of multiplication. Look at his numbers all throughout scripture. They multiply everything. And how do you and I begin to have kingdom impact? It's through multiplication. But we must replicate disciples. Now here's a question. Is your life worth replicating? Would I even want to invest in someone when my life doesn't even look like Christ, but I claim Christ on the inside? Our primary purpose is to glorify God and to make disciples, but we have a secondary purpose. And I've changed this up a little bit. This is where 87% of the Christian, we got to get that first primary purpose right we got to glorify God and make disciples who make disciples. We have a secondary purpose, though. And this is where a lot of Christians, I mean, I think we struggle a little bit in the primary. We definitely always are trying to, I think we're trying to elevate secondary over primary. Here's why. Because the secondary purpose is this. It's to be Jesus with your passion, skills, and abilities where you work, live, and play. Where you work, live, and pray. Where you what? Work, live, and play. See, oftentimes we're trying to elevate our occupation so much that we forget our primary purpose. Am I even glorifying God with everything I do? Am I making disciples who make disciples? Because when we do that, that feeds into the purpose of your secondary purpose, where you work, live, and play. To be who? Jesus. Don't be you, because you's a little crazy. You just got a little hang up here and there, right? You have got a little brokenness that the whole spirit's still working on. It's called sanctification. Don't be you, be Jesus. Be the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let his light shine in you and through you. But you got to ask yourselves, ask this question, what are my passions in life? Maybe you need to make a list. What are my skills? What are my abilities? There are a reason why God has given you those things. Because he's going to put you where you need to be. Where you live, where you work, and where you play is the mission field. The mission field doesn't have to be in Africa. It's in your home. It's in the factory. It's in the schools. It's in your business is the mission field. And we got to get that perspective right. It starts within the home and where we live and work and play before we ever step foot on the continent of Africa. Not that that's wrong. I've been there. Showering with a bucket over my head. I've been there. It'll change your perspective, that's for sure. You'll come home realizing we in America have way too much stuff. That's a side tangent, sorry. But listen... Remember if you were here last week, I showed you that the church should be that aircraft carrier, right? Sending the planes off. The effectiveness of church is not determined by what you get out of the one hour in this room, but what you do with the other 167 hours and the rest of the week and how you live that out. That's the effectiveness. So maybe for some of you, it is you're a teacher and that is your passions and God has given you a gift. Where go be Jesus to those kids? Maybe for some of us, you are a businessman. Go be Jesus where God has gifted you in the business world. I don't know why there's all these all us between these videos. Sorry. If you're a nurse, work in the healthcare system. Be a doctor and be Jesus to all your patients because you've got a gifting with the human body and God has given you that. There we go again. All right, here we go. You know, be a student (laughs) where you're learning. Be that student that's there. Be Jesus to your teacher and those around you. Be Jesus to those that are next to the locker. And here, I don't know. Be that mom. It's messing my mojo. Be the mom. Listen, if you've got kids at home and you're a stay-at-home mom, that's your secondary purpose. Be Jesus to the kids. Be Jesus when you wake up and say, God, I, I want <clears throat> to. But I can't. I have to be Jesus in this moment right here. And right now. Listen, stay at home, moms. You still have a purpose and don't let this world look down upon you. You have a purpose. Stay at the home. Man, it went to the next video. I'm still sweating. I gotta catch my breath. Hold on. Oh, we're gonna go back because I didn't say anything. Of course, it would be that one too. It would be that screen. Sorry, I'm passionate. You know why I'm passionate? Because I know Jesus Christ changes lives. And it's not just going to happen in this room. It's going to happen when you are on your mission field being Jesus to the lost and hurting and broken world. When you're being Jesus to the unchurched, to the de to the people who are brand new babies in their faith. You're still being Jesus to those who have walked in the faith for 40, 50 years. Go be Jesus, church. Let's go be Jesus. Go live out where your passions are, where your skills are, where God has put experiences in your life, not just for experiences. He's setting you up for kingdom impact. Go be Jesus on the football field, on any sports field. Connor, you're here. Go be Jesus at Tulsa. Go be Jesus to those, that whole football team. And I know you will. Go be Jesus over there. Students, go be Jesus on the soccer field. Go get in a quiet time and go pray and invite any teammates. Hey, do you want to pray? I'm going to pray that I don't get hurt on this soccer field. Don't pray for victory. Well, you can. I don't know if God's going to answer that. <laughs> but pray that you would, you know what? I, I, this is something, so I know. Parents, this is what I pray for my, my son. And I don't always get to do it with my daughter that place because I'm not always with her. But I, when I coach my son a lot, my first prayer is always this God, when they walk out on that sports field, may they glorify you with the abilities you've given them. That's the number one prayer. I know what my son's thinking. Dad, why aren't you saying, get us the W, right? Why aren't you saying? Listen, because that ain't the focus, right? All right, you all know that. So let me say this. I don't even know, um, where are we in the slides now? I have no idea with all those added things. Are we, are we after uh, the football slide at least? Oh, sweet. Okay. Okay. So here's what I want. We're going to land a play. I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to make your way. Please hear this. There is something to start that God has ordained you to finish. And I can't finish it for you. The person sitting next to you can't finish it for you. You are that one of kind, unique design from God who has that purpose for you to finish and so we at this church are going to do everything in our power to help you discover that we are launching that's why pastor josh is up here pastor josh is moving into a spiritual formation pastor role here at the church and this is one of his babies but we are creating and a little bit and we'll reveal more we're fleshing a lot of this out still of what we're calling the core three And so one of those is the Core 201. We're literally calling it Discover Purpose. This would be the middle of the Core 3 that we want to reveal to you. And this is why we are creating a not, I don't want to call it a program, but a class and experience.
1: Yeah, I'll, I think it's Kinsey's language from like next time. This is like, this is a group experience. Right? Group this experience. Is, it's, it's not really a class.
0: Help you discover your God given purpose. And Pastor Josh, um, this will be under his plate, and he's been doing some. Unbeknownst to a lot of the church, you've been doing some trial runs with some members just to get some feedback before we launch it publicly. Yeah, I
1: mean, so for several months, Pastor Brandon and I have been working on this, and we've run, I think, three test groups through this now. Uh, So if you see anybody run around with, like, a third arm, that's probably one of our test subjects. Um, I'm kidding.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) thank Josh,
1: Pastor Josh, for being (laughs) on stage. uh... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, so I mean, so this is just something we've been we, we've been trying to uh, to develop, right? This is this is a group experience where we want to create an environment for you to lean in and and really start to discern what might God's purpose be for you, right? And I think that's key that we focus this all. This isn't your purpose. This is God's purpose for you. Yep. Uh, there's a difference. I think a lot of us elevate, oh, like, hey, well, I can do this. This is what I'm going to do. And we leave God out of the equation. But this is his purpose for us. So we want to, you know, like Pastor Ryan talked about, the skills, the passions, your abilities. I think there are, there are kind of two aspects to discover purpose. One of them is helping you lean into those things. If you don't know what those are, we want to walk alongside you as you kind of discover that and maybe clarify how you could leverage those things for kingdom impact. But another aspect of Discover Purpose is to to look at different things in your life and, and realize, you know what, maybe this is the way your personality has you wired, but right now you are using that as an excuse to not live into God's purpose for you. Right, I mean, he used he used the verse from Ephesians two ten, where it talks about how we are a a workmanship. Do we have any? Do we have any artists in the house? No, none. Okay, okay, we got one. We got one. We got one one artist. We got a couple. All right, like if when you create a piece of art, or maybe you're a woodworker, right? And And you you build something, you create something. When you're done with that thing. Has that thing, now, maybe, now it, all, all the parents are going to be like, yeah, I created my child and they do this to me all the time. Okay, don't, no, we're not, we're not talking about that. But you create something. How often has that thing said to you? Let's say you created, uh, you know, Pastor Brandon just created a, a whole new kitchen for himself. He made cabinets, custom-made cabinets. Have any of your cabinets ever said, dude, I want to be a dishwasher. I don't want to be a stinking cabinet. Have any of them ever done that? No. Right? When you when you create a work of art, the work of art doesn't get to determine what it does. Right in Scripture, it talks about potters and clay. Right, the potter doesn't make a, 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 a jar, and the jar, jar says, "You know what? I actually like. I want to go do this instead. I know you made me to be a jar. I don't want to be a jar." Yep. In the same way, we are God's workmanship. So there are there are areas in our life. Where sometimes we get in the way of doing what God actually designed us for. Good. And so we want to we walk alongside you to, to help identify any of those areas as well.
0: Can you give us uh, just a sneak peek? When are we going to launch this to the church?
1: Yeah, so uh, this August we're going to run our entire Next Steps Experience team through this. And then we'll have kind of a full church-wide launch in September. So this will be something that you'll be able to, uh, you'll, you will want to first go through the Next Steps experience, right? This is, if you've been through the Next Steps experience, you guys talk about the idea of shape. This is a deeper dive. The entire, you know, four weeks of Discover Purpose is built around that concept of shape. So this is a deeper dive into what you're, you're exposed to in week three of, uh, of the Next Steps experience. So. That's good.
0: Can we thank Pastor Josh for that? Uh, Praise team, you guys can, uh, worship team, come on, make your way up. So I really hope you hear our heart and passion, that it's for you. And we as a church want to get behind you and do everything. Because we know this, you are perfectly created by God to fulfill his purpose for you. And we want to be a church that gets behind that and help people Discover their purpose so they begin to live it out every single day. So I think one of the most tragic things in our lives that we could get to the end of our life and realize we're climbing the ladder of success but it was leaning against the wrong wall all along. To realize that there's going to be many of us in this room who are going to succeed it be very successful by the world standards. You're going to get the accolades, the promotions, the applauses. But it may feel like an absolute tragedy to get to the end of your life and sit there and go, God, did I ever do what you ever created me to do in the first place? In order to do it, you got to know the one who's calling you. And it only comes through a relationship with one person, and his name is Jesus. So when I ask you this question, and I hope you, throughout the summer months, and we'll probably have sign-ups in August for Discover Purpose, and we'll run it several times, so I hope not, like, all 400 of you sign up at one time. I mean, it would be awesome, but we don't have that room. <laughs> but that you would really consider it when, it when we launch it in the fall. But I want to ask you a question. Maybe there's something in this message that tugged your heart here and there with your primary purpose. Does everything I do glorify God? God, am I even making disciples who make disciples? Am I investing in a person? God, what are, I don't even know my passions and skills and abilities. Just take a moment and ask yourself, what is Holy Spirit saying to me? Just take this time right now. You may have to close your eyes and just sit in this for a moment. What is Holy Spirit saying to me? Speak to us, Lord, for we're listening. Help us live into that primary purpose. God, maybe you're tugging hearts because we realize beyond this room, we don't really glorify you with our actions and our words, we don't glorify you with our thoughts. Lord, speak to us. Lord, give us that boldness to invest in the one or the few so we can go make disciples who make disciples. Lord, speak to us. God, you created us with passions, with experiences, with a spiritual gift, with abilities. Help us to live into those where we work, where we live, and where we play to be you, Jesus. Whether that is being an athlete, in the business world, in the educational realm, the healthcare system, being a stay at home parent, being in any governmental position, being in public safety. Whatever that is, help us to be you, Jesus. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. God, may we be a people that we know we won't do this alone, but you are with us through it all. You are always there. You go before us, you are behind us. You are to our left, you are to our right. You reside inside of our hearts as followers of Jesus. Help us be reminded that we're not alone. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercies. Thank you that we are made alive in Jesus Christ. Now, we can clearly see our purpose because we know who we are in our identity in Jesus Christ. Lord, would you birth more purpose? Help us to discover that purpose of why we were ever given breath in the first place and help all that we do bring honor, bring glory to your name. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. And everyone said, amen.